Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast, release date the 17th of July, 2022. Item 034, Alien Seeds. In a jam jar. Ultimate origin, unknown, presumed off-world. More recent origin, a bed of plants with a surprisingly bad attitude. Torchwood investigated a series of unexplained deaths in Victoria Park. Cause of death, a combination of strangulation and allergic reaction, which accelerated the closing of the throat. Investigation led to the discovery of a bed of weird-looking fern-like plants, and the discovery that the plants physically attack humans when disturbed. I'm Benji Clifford, he's Nick Briggs, this is Big Finish, audiobooks, audio drama and, well, this podcast, all for the love of stories. A heady mixture of Torchwood and Daleks this week, but in a moment Benji and I will be discussing a brand new email from the First Doctor. (laughs) Following that, the good review guide, this week we're talking about Torchwood Curios, featuring Murray Melvin as... This manger. By the way, you're not afraid of the dark, are you? Then we're off behind the scenes with Torchwood, Restricted Items, Archive, Entries 031 2049 by Maddie Wilson. Trips off the tongue. <laughs> My name is Maddie Wilson, and I wrote the episode Restricted Items Archive, Entries 031 to 049. Following that, it's once again time to open your ear inbox with listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com, and that'll be positively bulging with emailness. In our also available segment, we have a look at the 12th Doctor audio novel, Emancipation of the Daleks, performed by Dan Starkey with a little guest exterminating by me. <laughs> The Doctor stared at them in horror. Then the randomoid selector Tron will once again be giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. Gadzooks. Mm, What will it be? Well, it's a total mystery to me. But let's sneakily throw forward this sneaky, sneaky, sneaky clue. Stay with me and talk. And then, as you may have come to expect, of course you have. It'll be time to give you a free 15-minute drama tease. This week, it's the fantastic Torchwood episode, released this week, obviously. Uh, Restricted items, archive entries, 031 to 049. And that's by Maddie Wilson. Wow. I knew we would do a rift flare this evening, but this one's really going for it. Uh, Stephen Noonan has been at it again, our first Doctor actor. He's uh, sent uh, an email. Um, Shall I read it out? Well, that'd be a pleasure. Uh, Dear Nick and Benji, Toby, David, Michael, Abraham, Martin and John. (laughs) (laughs) This is my reply to the lovely email from Justin Bush, a.k.a. Justin B. Quinnick. Isn't that in or of the fourth universe? And as close a match as I could find to the requested Stephen and Seagulls segment. Although, as you'll discover, other birds are available. Love, Stephen. So, yes, Stephen sent us a load of Doctor Who clips, (laughs) which uh, Benji and I have had a listen to. Um... Uh, there's there, there's a clip from Unearthly Child, isn't it? Part two, where they come out of the TARDIS, and there's ah, it's still a beast box. That bit, 
It's the second one from Edge of Destruction? I think so. I think it, I think it is. I'm not 100% sure, but I, I think... Because they mention... Um, they mentioned the planet three or four adventures ago, and I and I. Quinnis. The they mentioned Quinnis. They mentioned Quinnis, and and I remember. I think it wasn't in Edge of Destruction because when they mentioned it was three or four adventures ago, it predates the first episode. Yeah, and so they say three or four adventures ago. <laughs> I think they do actually there are trips or something like that. It's something along those oh, lines, but right, it's basically yeah. yeah. We 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 did this before any of this happened. But it, there's one bit with birds in that that sounds like Spyridon, doesn't it? It'd be the same tape. Spyridon, Spyridon's in um in uh, Dalek's master plan as well, isn't it? It is. You well, or, or rather, the Dalek's master plan is in Spyridon. Yes, that one came that's very true, actually. That's true. Uh, the, but even though we can't think of it that way, no, no. <laughs> um, was the next one from the Crusades with uh, uh, King I Richard there, the, and there were some birds in the background? I think, yeah, the Crusades. I mean, my first thought was the Time Meddler, but you're probably right for the Crusades, actually. Yeah, and then there was one I don't know something about a beach or something. What was that? Maybe that was the Time Meddlers. Oh. Because that sort of starts on the beach, doesn't it, with the Viking helmet? That's not actually what Vikings wore. Oh, okay. I was a bit confused by that one. Uh, and then the Sea Devils. There were two clips from that, weren't there? <laughs> Just that budget. It inspired me actually this morning to um, actually watch the part one of that over breakfast, um, which was very, very enjoyable indeed. Actually, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And then there was uh, the three doctors, although it did confuse me because of that. Oh yeah, it's yeah, also yeah. the one used in Horror Fang Rock for the Rutan, but yeah. it was definitely but the noise of the, of the the uh, that old chap disappearing at the beginning. <laughs> and old chap, I can't remember his name. <laughs> that old chap. Oh yes, the old chap disappeared. Yes. But the story actually ends with, doesn't it? Is he says, get a dinner, woman, or something, oh, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. What a classic way to end the anniversary <laughs> story of Doctor Who. I'm just going to uh, reinforce some sexual stereotypes here. Oh, God, yeah. Gender stereotypes, I should say, sorry. Uh, yeah. 70s for you. Uh, and then there was Tom Baker saying, that was Graham Williams as the, at the sound of a crow, which I think is from Stones of Blood, but I don't know. It's the only story I can think of that had a lot of crows in. Were yeah. there crows in other Tom Baker stories? Doctor Who and the Crows. <laughs> yes, I remember that, <laughs> that one. one. I, I'm, I'm writing that one now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I think you're probably right. I don't know. Our listeners will know because they're they're far cleverer than what we we is. Uh, yeah, and then, well, they can't hear it. We're not playing it. Uh, copyright and all that. Yeah, and John yeah. Pertwee talking about a seagull play <laughs> made me laugh. That bit it just keeps going back and forth between the inter the interviewer and John Pertwee repeating the same. <laughs> well, the other person talking about it is apparently William Hartnell, but of course he doesn't sound like William Hartnell because uh. he he largely didn't sound like it's. We'll get into the whole debate about what William Hartnell actually sounds like because everyone has a little idea of it. But you know, you hear various different clips of him, and you think, "What is that, William Hartnell? That doesn't sound like William Hartnell." It's yeah, strange, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is weird. He was several different voices in Doctor Who, and certainly out of Doctor Who as well. An actually brilliant actor. So there we are discussing some clips that we we couldn't play you. Sorry about that. Sorry, you can all just imagine it in your head, or go off and and make your own selection of seagull-based Doctor Who uh, tracks. 
Yeah, that'd be good. Other birds are available. <laughs> um, uh, I'd also like to mention, actually, in an impromptu way, uh, because it's sort of been announced within Big Finish now, that our senior producer, David Richardson, is stepping down from that role after 15 years, which is, is a huge uh, blow to me because, uh, you know, he's just so important to me. But he's still staying on to produce all the ranges he produces. So he just he won't have that central administrative role. Um, yeah, I was just so relieved yeah. to, to see that he was staying on to do stuff. Because, That's what everyone's you know, saying. The, yeah. the thing, the thing is with with David Richardson, he's just he's. I mean, he's so good at his job. Oh, brilliant. he's just the nicest man, and I I have so so much respect for him and the way in which he manages all the productions. And it would be strange doing all of this without him because he's mm. he kind of he you know. He's at all the studio set. Well, certainly when I've been there, he's at nearly all the studio sessions, and he's always sending emails. And he's just a lovely, sort of calming, uh, reliable, wise yeah. source of knowledge behind everything. And just he's so good at what he does. So I'm, I'm glad that he's staying on in some capacity. But equally, really happy that he can, you know, is gonna just not have that level of pressure in his life from doing a very yes. intense job. Yeah, I mean, he, he is incredible, um, you know, and uh, it's, it's interesting just on a very petty point that I've been talking to some fans at conventions. I think there's a large, largely an assumption out there that um, David's my boss, but, I, it's you know, I actually am his boss. <laughs> but not that you'd know <laughs> by the way we relate to each other. I'm officially his line manager. Um, but uh, he is just his... I find it difficult to talk about his achievements because it's almost like looking at the entire world and trying to sum it up in a sentence. It's just been massive. It's been enormous. Um, he came to the company at just the right time when, uh, and he's grown so much. That's the other thing. Anyway, the reason I'm mentioning him, apart, apart from the fact that he's a thoroughly decent human being and brilliant, um, uh, is that I've, I've mentioned to him that maybe he could come on the podcast and do a chat about things. Oh, that would be lovely. I was expecting him to say, get lost, Briggs. <laughs> but, uh, he actually said that he would. So, um, I mean, I have to warn listeners in advance that David, you know, his internet is always terrible and he always uses a really rubbish microphone. So <laughs> we're, it'll be really difficult to hear what he's saying, but I think it's worth persevering. <laughs> um, and I'll just mention now that... Um, John Ainsworth is stepping into the role, um, which is brilliant. You know, we good we steady hand. Indeed, we interviewed a number of people, and uh, and and John got the job fair and square. And uh, he's an old friend of mine, actually. And but we've worked together many times before, so I'm really looking forward to it. He and David have had a great sort of handover session, and will continue to do so. Uh, John has worked closely with Big Finish before, and with other BBC licensees. So he's he's very knowledgeable about it all and I really look forward to it's it sounds sort of disloyal to David to say you're looking forward to working with the next person but you know I could hardly say well I can't I, I don't want to work with him <laughs> <laughs> I really am looking forward to you know it things will be different and uh, no doubt it will change me too so um probably uh probably change my jackets or something yeah go for a sort of silk <laughs> <laughs> hey that's a good idea like a sort of large silk handkerchief. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, we'll continue on, but I'm looking forward to, to David coming on here. I think it'll be really, be good, really great it? to, wonder, to hear. I don't his, know whether it's next week or well, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? He's, he's got to somehow fit in with our crazy our crazy schedule of talking a lot beforehand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, crack on with the podcast. So uh, now is, of course, time for our good review guide, which is finding the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them for you. And as promised, this week we're looking at Torchwood Curios. From Big Finish Productions. Torchwood Curios. Officer Anderson reporting for duty, sir. A Billis Manger. And no one reports to me. Oh, I thought... Yes? Aren't you in charge? Do I need to be? What are you supposed to be doing? to assemble an inventory of the Torchwood Archive, as opposed to the objects from the Portrait Gallery in the National Museum. Very good. Uh, There's a desk over there, and quite a mess to sort through. Your predecessors... (laughs) they didn't last. (laughs) By the way, you're not afraid of the dark, are you? Tell me what you are. Tell me who you are. Tell me what you want. I can feel its breath on me. Or it's just the breeze. Turn around to see if it's real. I can't. There are times, Miss Anderson, when we must look our monsters in the eye. Big finish. We love stories. Monsters never go away. Well, just go to bigfinish.com and type curios into the search pane for more manger terror. So first up on our good reviews, we have Rich Cross from cultbox.co.uk. This is very much in the style of a tingling ghost story rather than an out-and-about horror. With Blair Mowat's atmospheric musical score and spatially aware sound design from Naomi Clark and Peter Doggett, building the disquieting mood. Four stars. Maybe tripped over. Don't know. Could have been a <laughs> sort of, you know. But Pierce it should Brosnan be five star. stars, really. I think there's just a you know a star missing, quite frankly. Pierce Brosnan. Oh, thank you. Star. Uh, I love the way you said out and about horror, which sounds like they're running around the streets just scaring people. It's, it was actually out and out, but <laughs> let's have an out and about horror. We're my brain, my, my brain isn't working today, old boy. It's not working. I know. Same here. It's very, very hot, folks. Just in case you wanted to know. Uh, who review.com, Daniel Mansfield. Benji. Daniel son Mansfield. Of, son of Keith Mansfield. Thank you. <laughs> KPM composer. All in all, this is Goss's fifth hit in a row. Oh, for his range. A range that shows no sign of dropping in quality anytime soon. Agreed. Uh, another fantastic look into one of Torchwood's side characters. Side, but very important. Well, warpedfactor.com, Tony Filer, who's hey! filing all the time, actually, just, just spends all his time. In a filing cabinet. Filing yeah, things, he lives you know. in one. Lived, yeah, a big one, isn't it? It's huge. It's, it's actually a side rat from uh, the war games. Very oh, cool. similar yeah. door mechanism. 
Yes, the I had an argument with my son about the side rats. He was going, because I was watching it. He said, so that's like a TARDIS. I said, no, it's a side rat. He said, but it's a TARDIS though, isn't it? And are the side rats TARDISes? I would and the, the fact that they pronounce side... I mean, it's an anagram of TARDIS, isn't it? It's like the war chief is like, I know, our full people, that it's not a TARDIS by just <laughs> rearranging the letters. Well, I mean, I drive a rat. <laughs> you know. A, a tar. <laughs> I drive the tar, yes. The TARDIS. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, we're just, this, is just, this is just going bananas now. Um, Curios never does quite what you think it will, or even what you think it should, but delivers a clammy, creepy tale of things that go bump in the night. That was going bump there. Yeah, uh, and that's enjoyable night. and surprising by turns. Oh. What's it turn? They're, turns, Tapping. they're seabirds as well, like seagulls, aren't they? So it's surprising by turns. <laughs> surprise, surprise the turns. Uh, talking about night, of course, last night I was uh, live on Radio 3 uh, on the BBC talking about Daleks along with uh, Mark Gatiss, um, uh, Roberta Tovey, Matthew Sweet, whose programme it was, Free Thinking. That's a good, that's a good table to be talking about Daleks, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and there were frankly. two political commentators uh, whose names I sadly don't remember, which I feel terrible about, because one of them was a Big Finish fan, and we got oh. chatting about Big Finish, or he certainly knew of Big Finish and had bought some. And he's an uh, ex-assistant editor of the New Statesman. You know? Wow. Wow. So there you go. Anyway, uh, so uh, luckily he doesn't listen to the Big Finish podcast, I'm, I'm praying. Um... <laughs> Uh, blog to who.com uh, Julia Tibbet oh, we don't know whether it's Tibbet or Tibbet do we anyway Curios is a well-paced story that shows a new and interesting side of Billis Manger Murray Melvin and Rosie Baker are a great pair their seemingly different characters just fit perfectly together like a, a lot of people speculating about you know what will happen next with them well, we got one here which Nick is uh, oh, yeah. very excited about. <laughs> uh, we made this network.com. This is from Baz Greenland. Now, Nick, you yes. have a bit of bazzing to uh, tell us about. Some Baz uh, yes, knowledge. well, uh, I, uh, you know, luckily it wasn't mistyped again as Bad Greenland. Um, <laughs> we uh, love Greenland. Yeah. <laughs> well, last night when I was doing this Radio 3 thing, uh, Matthew asked me to take a look at the Dalek dictionary from the old 1964 Dalek book. Um, which I, you know, read endlessly. And, of course, in there, uh, there are various absolutely ridiculous words. Uh, Galcor, J. Galcor. Uh, um, but one of the words is baz. This is a Dalek word, baz, and it means a Dalek screw which is made of platinum and has two threads. We want one of those, don't we? I'd like to hear somebody go to B&Q and just record themselves asking somebody... Hey, uh, you, uh, have you got a Baz at all? <laughs> a, a what sort of Baz? I'm looking for a Baz. It's a screw with two heads. Uh, a Baz? <laughs> we, what's the point of a screw with two heads anyway? I mean, I don't know. I suppose it's just... I, I, I can't work out it's how... It's like a cup with two handles. But how That's can you, weird. How can you screw something in with two heads? I don't know. Because it don't, use, don't use a head, use a screwdriver. <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't work, though. I don't know why you're doing a cross. I imagine... Maybe it's about no. It's just mad. Because it, if it's got two heads, I mean, I'm doing a. I'm thinking so, so two heads and one screw bit, right? But equally, if you did a screw with two heads with two heads on either side, 
if you screw it, if you screw in one, it's always going to go out the other way. Yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Typical Dalek nonsense. Uh, one Absolute of their insane fools. plans. We will come to planet Earth and screw things from both sides with this <laughs> screwdriver. That will fool the humans. You can, ima- you can imagine somebody going in. Of course, uh, it's one of those Dalek developments. This one's of course all the all the people complain about the screws. Oh, it's awful. I keep Rip dropping out. out. Don't know which side to screw them in by. I got that. Yeah, they're made of platinum, but what what good's that? Well, maybe this can be our next project, Nick. Uh, our next collaboration is that yes. we're going to sit and write the Dalek DIY guide, in which we <laughs> we somehow really go into far too much detail about just how the Daleks build. Of course, the real explanation for the Dalek Dictionary is that someone, was it a company called World Distributors or something that published them? A copywriter there, someone said, Dalek Dictionary, well, I don't know, what's a Dalek? Shut up, make up some weird words, all right? Well, that's it, isn't it? I don't think Terry Nation wrote the Dalek Dictionary. Or did he? Well, amusing if he did. I can tell you, I can can tell you exactly. Uh, It is written by David Whittaker and Terry Nation. Is it or so all it says. At, yeah, is it or, even those bits of nonsense? Okay, well. Oh, well because, uh, yeah, there's yeah. interesting. There is, um, uh, uh, where is it? A magna, the Magnodon, one of the metal creatures of Scaro. It had the ability to attract its victims towards it. it. It was made of real metal. Real metal, folks. No, I added that in, sorry. Made of metal and was held together by an inner magnetic field now extinct because of the neutron war which nearly destroyed Scar. Now that surely that Magnodon is the thing that um, they encounter in the petrified jungle don't you think? Absolutely that makes perfect sense in fact the on in the, the film Ian uh, ends up crashing into another soft centre. Soft centres yes. um, well I mean on the on the TARDIS data core which is the Doctor Who wiki uh, which is a fantastic source of information mm. collated by lots of people uh, that is indeed the creature in which you are referring to. I like it that rels here are a measure of hydroelectricity. Yes, I, I always assumed it's all it was time. I would just assumed it was time. Like a second, well, it's been but. used as time. I, I think the first time a rel was used was in the uh, Dark Invasion of Earth, Dalek Invasion Earth twenty one fifty AD, which David Whittaker wrote additional material for, and I think he put rels in then because he'd probably just written it. Yeah, court. that would make that would make sense. That would make sense. And then they sneak into the series much, much later because when the series is being is being run by fans of Doctor Who, and then suddenly Rells get into it, don't they? I think uh, I I don't know, but I think that the first time that Rells was used in the TV series was Daleks in Manhattan. You pro- uh, yeah, I have no, I have no recollection of Rells in the classic series, and I think if. Yeah, I no, I think you're you're correct actually. Because oh, I actually, remember reading though, out a countdown uh, that James, um, oh, I can't remember his surname now, who directed it, who directed Daleks in Manhattan. Really good director. He did uh, Broadchurch as well. John uh, Rell. <laughs> Here we go. I've got I've got this is see this is what the internet is all about. Isn't yeah, it? I'm relying yeah. on you. Um, Within the uh, sphere chamber of the Torchwood Tower in 2007, Dalek Jast ordered that the communications barrier be rewinded by nine rels. Oh. Doomsday. Doomsday. Rewinded, does it That's say? That's what it says here. Not rewinded. Rewound. By n- 
No, well, the, uh, yeah, I'm I'm, re- I'm reading the the wiki, but it would be rewound. You're quite yeah. correct. But so um, whoever wrote the wiki has not got much of command of the English language there. But yeah, you're right. We would have mentioned Rels there. And then, and then, in 1930, Dalek Khan in Evolution of the Daleks says here after reporting in minutes called out by a countdown of 40 rels before a gamma strike hit the empire state building okay. yeah and who who was the director and the director of said story was james strong strong that's his name strong um yes he got me to do that countdown in a break between filming scenes uh, he just they set the sound running and they had me record it with everyone pausing while I did it so that everyone was on set so I had to count down from 40 rails um, <laughs> in front of everyone and you know the the uh, the worry that you're going to miss out a number <laughs> you know or falter and, and reveal that you can't count backwards from 40 <laughs> it's just the pressure was appalling and when I got to the end of it he shouted out you missed out 13. I went, did I? I went, no, I'm only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he knew. He knew. Oh, I suddenly it's thought, pressure. terrible pressure. Terrible pressure. But it's a bit like that when you do the Dalek voices on set, actually, because, you know, when you do them in a studio and, it, 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 you know, for an audio, somehow it just doesn't seem so pressureful. But, you know, you're doing it for a scene that has a complex visual setup where there's several things exploding. You don't want it to get to the Dalek and me go, you were better. Oh, sorry. Can I do that again? <laughs> you just you don't want that to happen, do you? Uh, and it would make you very, very uh, unpopular. unpopular. I think I only made an uh, expensive mistake. Yeah, indeed. I, I seem to remember I made a mistake on uh, Dalek and I said something very rude afterwards. And I wasn't my voice wasn't activating the lights i had to operate i had to get someone to operate the lights by pointing at them because the transmitter was interfering with the ring modulator we're all bald now uh, bored i said i think i said bored, <laughs> we're all bald actually. now, we're all God, bald is, that, now. is that what happens when, when transmitters interfere everybody's hair but, falls but out. as i said the rude word i still did the pointing and the person with the transmitter dutifully transmitted the <laughs> flash to the dalek so the daleks swore and flashed its lights at the same time oh, well, when i say laughed. swore it wasn't a terrible terrible word bum yeah <laughs> <laughs> that makes me laugh at the Dalek saying ba- bam um, where were we in this uh, podcast by the way we're, we're in Greenland Baz Greenland uh, oh, Curios yes, is another example of what uh, the Big Finish monthly tortured range does best building on its immense world building to deliver compelling character driven narratives two buildings in there Baz sorry about that two, uh, two building and a drens yeah it's, uh, so we give you uh, uh across next year <laughs> on twitter at ronnie sota uh, it's an incredibly competent story uh, which has strong themes that could be interpreted as a statement on historical mistreatment of women a massively unnerving experience that doesn't forget the ambiguous core of billis billis Brax Obscura says, once again, great. This Billis trilogy really didn't disappoint at all. And I like the minor theme of Billis showing more compassion across it and results in a character finally getting away, though the ambiguous ending may say otherwise. 10 out of 10, another use of the word ambiguous there. Oh, no. It's ambiguous. It's unambiguous, the use of ambiguous. Uh, This is not 
Uh, listen to hashtag Torchwood Curios by at Goss Jam from at Big Finish. Another great story in the line. There was a sense of dread while listening to it that still gives me a shudder. I hope this story leads directly into even more great Billy's Manger stories. Let us hope so. Well, Malpy Well says, uh, Big Finish, Murray Melvin in Curios. Another amazing script by Goss Jam, James Goss. Uh, Torchwood wouldn't be Torchwood without Billis Manger. Nice. And I've got a review here from our friend uh, Philip Pedney. Review, he says, Curios review. A curio is a rare, unusual or intriguing object. And with this story, Torchwood gets a new curio added to the range. James Goss is the master story craftsman when it comes to Torchwood, and with Curios, has once again managed to switch tones and time zones. Set during the Second World War, important artefacts were sent down mines to protect them from the bombs and hide them from possible invasion. But there is much in the Torchwood archives that should never be touched, and more down the mine than anyone is expecting. One of the creepiest characters to be created for Torchwood is is Billis Manger. Putting him deep underground in the dark makes him creepier still. And as usual, Murray Melvin performs Billis with a civility that drips evil. You can't hate Manger, but every scene he is in leaves you feeling more and more uncomfortable. An amazing performance, but his performance is backed by all the cast, especially Rosie Baker. Scott Hancock is Rosie Baker foot by any chance? Colin Baker's daughter? I think so. Uh, Scott Hancock, as always, has directed the story perfectly and it is it has a similar feel to Hitchcock's Psycho, a cast of characters with dark pasts, secrets and an atmosphere of foreboding. Expect to be scared, says Philip Edney, of the sirens of audio. Listen, that's it for the reviews this week. Next uh-huh. time... We'll be talking about the 11th Doctor Chronicles, Volume 2, starring Jacob Dutman. Still to come on the podcast, listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com, and we'll be looking at the 12th Doctor audio novel, Emancipation of the Daleks by Johnny Morris and performed by Dan Starkey and that there Nick Briggs. But first, let us delve behind the scenes with Torchwood Restricted Items Archive Entries 031-049 by Maddie Wilson. My name is Maddie Wilson and I wrote the episode Restricted Items Archive Entries 031-049. Investigation led to the discovery of a bed of weird-looking fern-like plants and the discovery that the plants physically attack humans when disturbed, presumably as a self-defence mechanism. What I most enjoy about writing for Yanto is that he's a character who has a lot going on beneath the surface. Um, He's not somebody who naturally wears his heart on his sleeve. Um, Instead, he kind of has all these layers of personality and the way that he presents himself um, that you get to play with. Um, At the top level, he has this very kind of smooth, unruffled exterior, which is uh, all about professionalism and and getting the job done kind of without being noticed. Um, But beneath that, he has um, a really dry sense of humour that you kind of realise that he's, he's playing with almost all of the time, even when you don't notice it. 
Um, and beneath that, I think you start to get into what really makes Yanto tick. Um, he's really intelligent and focused. He has all of these kind of odd little hobbies and interests and areas of specialist knowledge that you might not expect. Um, and then at the centre of it all, I think he's somebody who cares very deeply about things and feels things very deeply too. Um, but you really have to kind of dig into the things that Yanto does and says in order to get that depth of feeling across. He doesn't usually spell it out for you. Um, and as a writer, being able to play with all of those layers is really fun because uh, you go into a scene thinking, well, which parts of Yanto are we going to get to see here? Um, and how can we create a situation where we get a chance to see some of the real tenderness at the heart of him? I don't know. Sometimes it's just nice to have an excuse to come down here where I can hear myself think. Get the records in order. Just me and several shelves full of archive material. Nice and cosy. Actually, speaking of cosy, note to self, test the pipework for the heating in the basement. Something's playing up and it's freezing. I do think that Yanto is someone who is predisposed to be lonely. Um, I think he's somebody who values privacy and he values solitude. Um, and he doesn't always find it easy to hang out with other people in a completely easygoing way. Um, and I think that all of those things can really easily lead to somebody being lonely. Um, and I also think that some of the frustration that he expresses in this story about being ignored and overlooked because he's always getting on with stuff quietly in the background and not really being thanked for it, um, I think that is real, or certainly it has a basis in how he really feels. And here's why the safety checks exist. If you're interested, and by you I mean me because nobody else is ever going to listen to this, obviously, much like nobody seems to care about anything I have to say in general. I'm Gareth David Lloyd and I play Yanto Jones. Wow! I knew we would do a rift flare this evening, but this one's really going for it. He's uh, being very industrious, as, as is Yanto a lot. He is storing stuff in the restricted items archive stuff, that, um, you know, a, a bits of alien tech. Basically the, the boring job that nobody else wants to do, uh, logging and describing and locking away. He likes his own company, um, which is, um, uh, you know, I, I, he's, at, he's at that point where he, he feels a bit left out by, by the team. They all, you know, they all go bowling or playing basketball and, and what I and he all seems to be to be left out. But he does actually enjoy this this type of work, this this work that nobody else enjoys. I think he finds it therapeutic and relaxing and he's he very much someone who likes things in order and in in their place so this i uh, this i can imagine is quite satisfying and nice and quiet and peaceful for him after a particularly bloody and unnecessary weevil death jack eventually caught on owen admitted the sword seemed to have a mind of its own and it was finally confiscated so great work team it's about a year before the end of uh Season two, I've surmised from the information in the text. Um, yes, so yeah, it, it, quite early on in his in his career. But I think post post Lisa, but pre season two. I also think that everything that he says in this episode is very carefully crafted um, to tell a story, and it's a story that he's telling on purpose. Like he's somebody on stage in a pantomime who's trying to get the audience to give him sympathy. That's that's kind of what he's doing here, and he's quite enjoying it. It's always 
you know, have to have something to react to. But I suppose he's literally, um, he, he is on his own and he's reacting to things that he's handling and then put in a way. So um, the, the objects sort of become the other characters. So um, after a while, he doesn't, he doesn't really seem a, that different because um, the, 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 uh, yeah, the restricted items become the characters themselves, I suppose. They become what you react off rather than somebody else's voice. Item 039, Russian doll nest, comma, seemingly infinite. Looks like every other Russian doll I've ever seen, wooden, painted in green and red, but when you open it, it just keeps going. And going, and going. Just go to bigfinish.com and type restricted into the search pane to go beyond your usual boundaries. Time now for listeners' emails. And remember, don't wait. Don't wait rels to send it. Just no. send it in a rel. Send it in one rel. Takes one rel to uh, write an email. Takes one uh, I wonder what the Dalek one. word for an email is. Oh, well, that's... Uh, let me just look that up. Uh, that's uh, Flidor. Ah, oh, Flidor. Yeah, we'll send your Flidors. Uh, Actually, it's one Flidors. of the satellite moons of Skara. Sorry. Oh, is it one of the satellite moons, yeah. eh? Uh, Vacril. A Vacril. A dreaded two-headed eel that inhabits the Lake of Mutations quite near the capital city of the Daleks. I love quite near, actually. Quite near, it's just, as the crow flies. Uh, it's a deadly creature <laughs> quite near here. <laughs> I love it. Insley means it is ready. Do you reckon they say yeah. that before serving like dinner or something, you know? Jay Insley! It is ready, you weakling. Uh, Veps. A Dalek measure of artificial sunlight. By increasing such sunlight by so many veps, food may be grown much faster. Just filling up the word count here, said David Whittaker as he wrote that. <laughs> vep, is, vep is also a name of a, a train, actually, as well. Is it really? So there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in those old 90s slam door trains of veps. Exabs. Oh, really? Oh. A Dalek word meaning to be looked upon with favour by those in authority. That's incredible. That one little <laughs> word means all those things. That's and Of course, we know Yarvling, a famous Dalek inventor, discoverer and explorer. Yarvling was the first Dalek to travel beyond Skaro and bring back from Flydor a quantity of its precious gold metal. Yarvling also invented compressed water and discovered Silchronian. <laughs> Well, I've got a good one here. I've invented compressed water. What do you do? I, I pressed it. <laughs> pressed it together and it sort of stuck. Sort of compressed now. Yeah, it's There's good. There's <laughs> is a good word. It's a, a violent wind that rages through Scaro once every six years. Oh, yes, that's right. Because every five years, the Daleks eat uh, a huge <laughs> tin of beans. <laughs> Massive bunch of curry. It's curry curry night in the Dalek <laughs> city. Korma. Um, Oh, well, I could just read this forever, quite yeah. frankly, but we simply don't have the time. But if you have the time, uh, do send us a, an email to podcast at bigfinish.com. Oh, yes. First up, this one is from Cecilia. Uh, subject of this one is Stranded, Torchwood and Holiday Listening. Uh-huh. That's right, the threats worked. Uh, <laughs> and we can now find out uh, how um, Cecilia listens to uh, their Big Finish. Uh, hello, Nick and Benji. I'm just writing in to thank all those involved with Stranded. 
which has quickly become my favourite Doctor Who story slash series of all time. Hey. I'm excited to return to Liv and Tanya in the upcoming Ninth Doctor Hidden Depths box set. But can we expect to see these characters beyond this? Perhaps Liv, Tanya and Andy can start up a new branch of Torchwood one day well, who knows oh yeah um, i'm sure these characters will return in some form or another i, I realized when i was editing stranded that um tanya and tanya are often it's thrown around quite a bit throughout actually some people say where's tanya where's tanya um yeah. i think she you know she thinks she should sit down and say look it's tanya all right yeah <laughs> none of that disrespecting me yeah um, I also want to ask, is it possible to have a chronological option to sort stories on the Big Finish website and app? Not only would it satisfy my law-obsessed heart, but it may help out new listeners who want to follow a particular doctor or companion. The timey-wimey nature of some stories might make it a bit hard, but I'm confident that the Big Finish boffins can sort it out. I admire your confidence, Cecilia. Well, I really do. <laughs> I think because, it, I think it would be tricky to have as a search function, but I do know that there are people out there who have created spreadsheets and all sorts to to sort this out. So you could, in theory, go down a sort of more analog route and yeah. find things. I as mean, I you guess there along. must be some clever algorithmic way of doing it, but uh, yeah, I can't promise that. <laughs> Uh, as for holiday listening, well, it's currently cold and raining here down under, so I suppose my listening habits are curled up in bed or under the heater. Uh, absolutely boiling here. Um, not very glamorous, I'm afraid, nor am I actually on holiday, but I hope this is sufficient enough uh, that the podcast is not cancelled. Uh, I'll be back to report uh, when the weather is better. Uh, much love to you all, Ceci. Thank you so much for emailing in. Much appreciated. Thank you. Next up, Charles Mitchell, my summer big finish listening plane. Is it a plane or a plan? I don't know. Uh, that was the spitfire. Hi, hi, Nick and Veggie. Short time listener, first time writing in. I've been listening to the podcast for the last three months now. And uh, please make it stop. No, he doesn't say that. And <laughs> one, wanted to write in with how I listen to Big Finish stories over the steamy summer months here. Smack dab in the middle of the United States in St. Louis, Missouri. On days I'm not working, I listen to the downloads on the app on my phone through Bluetooth headphones for several hours while I clean the house or run errands. Okay. Mm. Makes time go quicker, doesn't it? I often listen while watching sports on the television on mute. Oh, I'm sure the neighbours appreciate that. <laughs> God, I wonder whether your memories of the stories get slightly confused. I thought, oh, it was brilliant the way the Eighth, eighth Doctor scored that goal. Um, uh, Although, being American, you're probably not watching that kind of spot. Who knows? Let us not prejudge you. On days that I work, I'll listen to an episode of a Doctor Who story on the way, then another on the way back. Fair, fair dues. I, I have been a Doctor Who fan since the mid-1980s, when it was shown on PBS, Public Broadcasting System, over here for the first time. I diligently collected all the classic stories as they came out on DVD. With that life quest complete, I knew I needed more. 
Enter Big Finish. I had purchased a few CDs, most uh, mostly Companion Chronicles, but really wanted to delve further into all Big Finish had to offer. Fast forward to lockdown, and between the free downloads and all the great sales, I've really built up my collection. Ah, oh, really pleased to hear that, Charles. I'm well on my way on my next life quest to collect 20 plus years of great stories. Keep up the good work because we love stories. It's for the love of stories now, but, you know, I'm not going to get picky, Charles, because you are an exemplary customer, I feel. Uh, your friend across the pond, Charles Mitchell. Thanks so much for writing in. Um, and it's nice to know that someone who's only been listening for three months to the podcast. Yeah, I wonder what made you listen to the podcast if you've been getting big finish before. Hmm. It's all the subliminal messages uh, we just insert in. Listen, 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 listen. Podcast, podcast, podcast. <laughs> Destroy, destroy, destroy. <laughs> um, that was a reference to Nick, who just, when we, we had another podcast, and Nick just, for some inexplicable reason, <laughs> decided to just write destroy, destroy, destroy. On, um, on, the, on the video on the that promoted yeah. the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I was just going slightly bonkers. <laughs> we got one here from Laura Valensky. Hey. Uh, subject of this one is vacation listening. Uh, oh, dear <laughs> looks like mr briggs needs a story or the podcast will be cancelled yeah it's true that's he's a, he's a ruthless uh journalist who just needs a story um oh dear oh dear oh dear well uh on an epic whitewater rafting trip i kept getting distracted whilst listening to dalek universe <laughs> so i went over multiple times wow or was it that time on safari when I was mauled by a lion because I wasn't paying attention? Listening to Stranded, don't you know? Um, <laughs> I like the idea as well. If you're in a jungle and Stranded is just set inside a house, there's not yeah. a lot of background sounds. That really, wherever you are, could potentially distract you on that one. Yeah, suddenly, yeah, suddenly, you know, you're actually in a jungle. Uh, or where I fell overboard from a kayak whilst distracted listening to the end of the beginning. Haha, ha, sorry, none of these things happened. Oh, really? Oh. Uh, but I could try harder. Um, I'm sure the lion one must have happened. Uh, mostly, <laughs> I just listen to audio stories on long car trips. Yes. Uh, we'll be driving 10 plus hours from Columbus, Ohio to Rehoboth, I hope I said that right, uh, beach in Delaware next month to our annual Atlantic Ocean Beach Vacation. Um, so I'll be on that Big Finish app listening to stories and hoping to catch up on a few. Uh, I listened to 17 podcasts. Wow. Um, I didn't even know there were 17 podcasts in the world. Uh, so I always have something going into my ear holes, besides the demands of family, of course. Of course. Um, glad to hear Benji is better from COVID. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm tickety-boo. Um, stay healthy and cosy in your respective domicile. Uh, Laura Valensky from Columbus. So let's find out how to pronounce R-E-H-H... Rehoboth, I expect it is, isn't it? Being American, I don't know. Rehoboth. That Rehoboth? doesn't sound like an American way of saying things, does it? Is it Rehoboth Beach? Rehoboth Beach? Okay, that's Rehoboth nice. Beach. <laughs> okay. Uh, Rehoboth Beach. Rehoboth. 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 Yeah. Rehoboth Beach. Yeah, interesting. Well, we've learned something today. What was that other thing that I remember our good friend Shelley on the Benji and Nick show? Uh, I couldn't pronounce. It was a. It was a. Uh, it was a ingredient of chutney. 
<laughs> and I was pronouncing it in a really weird way. Well, well, Hager Baker, oh, I can't remember. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was something like that. What yeah. Was it? Oh, God. Oh. I can't remember it now. Oh, Shelley, what was it? Let me know. American Chutney. Well, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't necessarily in American Chutney. It was actually in uh, Branston Pickle, but uh, it's listed as one. <laughs> I I, uh, I I typed in American chutney and then I, I tried to start typing the word I thought it was in the hope that it would sort of fill it in for me. Yeah. But it just says showing results for American chutney rehab. This <laughs> place for people there... that love chutney. <laughs> I just can't get enough. I've got to go to chutney rehab. Uh, uh, that's yes, that's an interesting chutney rehab. It's yeah, a, that sounds like it could be somewhere, doesn't it? Like it's a, it's um, a village around here. Chutney Rehab. I just come down from Chutney Rehab. <laughs> Listen, uh, before we all uh, melt, uh, that's yes. it for the emails this week. More next time sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. I, sincerely, heartfelt thanks for uh, all of your holiday vacation listening tales. There are a few more to come, including something special from Sirens of Audio podcast host Dwayne Bunny. Uh, oh, and by the way, Dwayne and uh, Phil Ip. I don't know whether he, I don't really think he is a Phil, is he? He's a Philip, is he? Um, I think he's a Philip. Yeah, Philip Pedney. They they did an interview with me for Sirens of Audio. Have you seen it, Benji? I've seen the trailer. Of ah, it. Right. Yes. Well, they took all, all sorts of things. random things, random tidbits of your life in there. Well, that's right. The, the trailer was a, a great example of how you can take clips out of context to make <laughs> it sound like I was saying something really outrageous. One of them was me going, well, Doctor Who's just died. And of course, I was actually talking about my reaction to the war games when I was a child and being upset that uh, Patrick Tranton went whizzing off into time and space and I didn't know whether he was coming back or not. In the meantime, we welcome your emails on all topics or indeed snippets. <laughs> As always, the Random Boys Electron is chugging away in the background right now, getting ready to offer a 25 good chug noise, 25% discount on a randomly selected big finish release. You'd yes. be a fool to miss out. You fool. You old fool. Ah. But before that, it's time for Also Available, and this week it's the 12th Doctor audio novel, Emancipation of the Daleks. And here are actor extraordinaire Dan Starkey, who I recently saw in a live theatre thing where they improvise uh, Enid Blyton style stories Ooh. he was very very funny and author Johnny Morris who I haven't seen at all recently uh, to talk about it I'm Jonathan Morris and I wrote Doctor Who Emancipation of the Daleks the doctor stared at them in horror he couldn't run he couldn't fight he couldn't even stand up the Daleks were replicating, and there was nothing he could do to stop them. This audio novel is about 60,000 words, which is roughly the length of three TV episodes, if you were to sort of you know, novelise them quite thoroughly. Um, so the story needed approximately the same amount of plot and incident as you would get in a trilogy of TV episodes. And so structuring it, I thought of it as a trilogy of you know, TV episodes. So you get sort of three definite sections to the story, but from a different perspective, which is you know, kind, of, kind of neat, kind of a sort of a nice sort of um, 
Echo. I'm Dan Starkey, and I'm reading Emancipation of the Daleks. So, what is it? The Doctor glanced around the bedroom like a suspicious owl. It had better be something deeply weird that I shall be very deeply disappointed. Don't worry, you won't be. I'll show you. Come with me. I think this is, a, this is a great script. It's a really enjoyable script by Johnny Morris. So there's lots of questions that it sets up in the first uh, in the first story. That classic thing of, uh, you know, meeting yourself. What the hell would you do? And it um, it does it in a very satisfying science fiction way. Also in quite a heartbreaking way as well. You know, it's, it's got a nice emotional payoff at the end. And it's got loads of Daleks in it as well. So it's the best of all possible worlds. As good a world as we can expect. Because that's one of the morals of the story as well. Uh, what makes this different from my previous four or five Doctor Who novels is that it was deliberately written as an audio book uh, you know, written specifically to be read aloud uh, which is not really something I'd considered with my other books even though I think one or two of them have become talking books but it's something which I found to be incredibly sort of helpful in terms of uh, instilling an extra sense of discipline because it, if you think it's going to be read aloud it makes you consider every line and every word in terms of you know, can it be can it be spoken out loud and is it absolutely essential is it essential to the narrative or is it holding things up it makes you think much more in terms of you know, pace and in terms of keeping the text as as economic and tight as possible which I think leads to you know, better writing anyway, per se. So it's something I'll be doing when and if I write any more books. So for me, it's been a kind of an educational, improving experience too. His frown relaxed into a grin as the central column glowed and the time carousel above it revolved. They had taken off. We did it, cried Bill rapturously. The Doctor's smile faded away like a dying universe. It's not over yet. We have to go back, Bill. To the past! This is quite a long sort of like reading, so it's 60,000 words altogether. But I think, um, I think the story is very well told, so I think it always boils down. Whether you're doing a uh, whether you're doing a full cast play, if you're playing a, a character within an audio play, or doing a reading of an audio book, you work out how best to tell the story. So you work out what the nugget of the story is, and then you work back from there. It's keeping your concentration for long spans, because what will typically happen is that I'll do sort of uh, chunks of it for about um, 10, 12 pages or so, then have a pause, have a glass of water, um, and we'll check to see if I need to pick up anything, and then we'll go back and do those, and then and then carry on. So it's kind of sitting in a booth talking to yourself for most of a day. I loved writing for the 12th Doctor and Bill. Um, I'd written them, written for them before in a... BBC novel called uh, Plague City. So with this, I, I kind of you know, picked up from where I'd left off with that. Um, and as a writer, it's, it's, it's very, really, really easy to write for them because they're such clear, strong, vivid, distinct characters with, you know, with, with definite voices and attitudes. You know, both on the page as written and on the screen as performed and with this story in particular I really wanted to make it about Bill Potts 
as much as possible because she's got all these sort of interesting elements in terms of her family background and her life, which hasn't really been explored very much. The question is not so much who she is, but what she is doing here. You can ask me yourself if you like, the woman called from the kitchen. Bill stared at the doctor. She can hear us. You can find Emancipation of the Daleks if you type Emancipation into the search pane at the top. Yeah, Don't I, forget... Big Finish site, I forgot of, to mention yes, that. Yes, so, sorry, that's my well, fault, yeah, I should have written that. Yeah, yeah, BigFinish.com. Don't forget we'll be dramatising you with the first 15 minutes of Torchwood Restricted Items Archive Entries 031-049 by Maddie Wilson. Very soon, now. But first... Oh. It's the Randomoid Selectatron, offering you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. And Ran has spoken. It's the Confessions of Dorian Gray, the complete series 5. Oh, wow. Let's... Uh, is there a trailer? Um, yes. There is. Yes, yes, yes. That's very, very, very interesting. Let's listen to the trailer. Stay with me, please. Stay with me and talk. Relive old times. A prelude to the best ones yet to come? Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. The Confessions of Dorian Gray. The final series. Painting is like all forms of storytelling. First, before you get distracted by details... You need to flesh out the background. You need to give it a setting. You need to give it tone. This is not about Constance nor the boys. This is about the young man who is about to change my life. This is about Dorian. You'd think the longer you live, the more you'd forget. But that isn't the case at all. You remember more and more, and it's always so visceral. Every injury, every heartache, every death. Glee! Get stretch your organize! And I remember every single second of it. You hate it. I can feel you hating it from across the room. I don't hate it. But? It's not very Oscar, is it? How the hell would I know? Goodbye. Dorian. Goodbye. Goodbye. Big Finish. We love stories. Great stuff. Look at this enormous cast. I mean, it's a huge number of people. Ooh, that is. That is rather large, isn't it? Yeah, Joe Joyner's in there. Tracy Charles. John Schwab. Hugh Skinner, Samuel Lizzie Barnett. Lizzie Hockley, who, who I'm, I'm working with at the moment on something. Yeah. Um, what a cast. Uh, Scott Hancock's done an amazing job on this. There's even a video to promote it as well, folks. Have a look at the website. Brilliant. Dorian Gray. Fantastic series uh, devised by Scott Hancock. Of course, Oscar Wilde's invented Dorian Gray, but Scott Hancock took it so much further. So... Um, 
While I email Jackie Emery at Big Finish to make sure she knows which release to attach the offer to, Benji, please explain how you get the 25% discount. Now, this is going to be really difficult for you to do in the style of someone who is far too hot in their studio. Well, <laughs> I don't have to act, darling. It's, that's my life. Um, but I suppose... I, saw, I, I just sounded like Tommy Cooper then. That's how that's That's very, very simple. All you have to do is go to bigfinish.com. That's our website for those that don't know. Scroll across the menu to podcast. It's getting hot. Um, then you'll be met with the latest podcast. Click read more. Once you are in there, uh, if you look at the picture of myself and Nicholas Briggs, underneath there is a blurb in the blurb. It'll oh, actually yes. tell you. It just tells you. It, it point blank tells you right there that if you click there and enter the code bug up, you will get a discount. I mean, there's no, no ducking and diving. But, but the key, of course, is what you have to enter in. Well, it's perfectly simple. You enter in the word buck up. Uh, say words because it is actually all kind of conflated into one it's buck up b-u-c-k-u-p no spaces no punctuation no complication enter that in and you'll get your discount mind blown ran well done next week's podcast is entitled stargate doctors as we featured classic doctors new monsters the stuff of nightmares and we trumpet the return of stargate to big finish with shiny new re-release collections of the adventures that you may have missed some time ago starring many of your favorite stargate original cast members well thanks for listening folks as always it's been a pleasure to pod our cast with you <sighs> oh and uh, by the way don't yes, forget yes, yes, uh, we yes, do yes. all this for the love of stories Ooh. Time now for Torchwood Restricted Items Archive Entries 031 to 049 And that's by Maddie Wilson Torchwood 3 Restricted Items Archive. Item 031 will get to you in a bit. Item 032. Corrosive Cream. Very corrosive cream. Origin unknown. Alien question mark. Well, it's an aluminium tube filled with a white cream-like substance, like toothpaste, although definitely not toothpaste. Found in the vicinity of some rift activity, careful examination by Dr. Owen Harper confirmed the contents were not of 21st century Earth origin. Further careful investigation, application of the substance to Dr. Harper's finger, produced a numbing sensation, then mild euphoria, then rapid and spreading tissue corrosion. Despite this, Dr. Harper's euphoria remained remarkably unimpeded. Dousing the hand in fire extinguisher stopped both the corrosion and the euphoria. Thank you, Gwen Cooper. Unclear whether substance is alien anaesthesia, intoxicant or bioweapon. Further experimentation deemed unsafe and uneconomical. Item remanded to the restrictive items archive. <coughs> Item 033. Spoon, comma. Apparently poisonous. Origin unknown. 
description. Well, it looks like a spoon. Item 034. Alien Seeds. Hmm. In a jam jar. Ultimate origin unknown, presumed off-world. More recent origin, a bed of plants with a surprisingly bad attitude. Torchwood investigated a series of unexplained deaths in Victoria Park. Cause of death, a combination of strangulation and allergic reaction, which accelerated the closing of the throat. Investigation led to the discovery of a bed of weird-looking fern-like plants, and the discovery that the plants physically attack humans when disturbed, presumably as a self-defence mechanism. I'm informed by the team that in this instance, the plants were extremely disturbed and very self-defensive. I was also informed that the bed of plants had been neutralised because the team managed to totally and completely kill it with fire. <clears throat> Not having been present for the initial investigation, I took the liberty of a post-mission check at the site where I discovered several plant seeds on the ground amongst the ashes. So, might have been useful if they'd just taken me with them in the first place. But I digress. The leftover seeds will be held in the restricted items archive pending further biological study, which I'm sure we'll get round to in a timely fashion and not forget about completely as soon as the next bit of excitement comes along. So, watch this space. Item 035, Andromeda Torch. Origin, Andromeda Galaxy-ish. Black cylindrical object fits in the palm of your hand with a series of buttons along one side. In short, very torch-like. Oof! Very torch-like and very bright. Rift activity was unusually high last week. An energy spike on the outskirts of Cardiff led the torture team to the crash site of a spacecraft. No survivors were discovered, but the body of an alien pilot was removed from the ship to the Torchwood Hub for autopsy. Wreckage of the ship was cleared and disposed of, and all eyewitnesses, three walkers and a Labrador, retconned. Sundry detritus brought to the Hub for further investigation, including this item. Object emits beam of light. Ah, powerful enough to cause moderate to severe discomfort to anyone who looks at it directly. Weapon? Question mark? Reading light for aliens with bad eyesight? Question mark. Further experimentation deemed unsafe and uneconomical. Item remanded to the restricted items archive. Right. Item 036. Portable interdimensional portal slash coffee coaster. A square black flat object. Approximately... 8 centimetres by 8 centimetres. It has a very nice matte finish. Also found in the wreckage of the crashed Andromeda spacecraft before undergoing initial analysis by Toshiko Sato. 
She decided it must be a piece of ship panelling that had come loose and deemed it inert, with no observable power or function, other than a potential second life as a coffee coaster. It went on to perform this function, without my knowledge, I should point out, on Tosh's desk for approximately a week, until she placed a mug of coffee on it, which immediately disappeared. It was a souvenir mug for the musical cats. The team then proceeded to place a further series of items on the square, which disappeared in a similarly inexplicable manner. The items could not be retrieved. <clears throat> Side note, if asked, I could have provided some actual rubbish to test the portal with, instead of sending several staplers, pairs of scissors and nice clicky pens to another dimension. Secondary note, place new stationary order. Within 30 minutes, we found a way of turning the coaster off. Seemingly goes haywire around rift energy. Turning into an interdimensional lightning conductor for rift flares may, I suggested, but no one listens to me, be what brought the craft down. However, unable to determine the destination of the missing objects, the square was deemed hazardous and remanded to the restricted archive, pending further, etc., etc. <sighs> wow. I knew we would do a rift flare this evening, but this one's really going for it. Right on time, though. Tosh's monitoring system is getting more and more accurate. We can predict rift flares pretty much down to the hour. But we never know quite how intense they're going to be. Whether we need to prepare for a mini earthquake, and maybe an unexpected visitor or two, or if it's basically just the rift saying hello. Okay, so this one's pretty big. Wow. Rift really showing us who's boss today, is it? Very good, well done. You're an all-powerful source of energy, and you've blown all the lights out, and I'm very impressed. Where's the torch? Right, I'll change the light bulbs. Item 037. Music box. Music box, comma, haunted, obviously. Human origin, late 19th century, made out of dark red wood, mahogany, possibly, or rosewood, with a metal key. Found at Dwyford House, in the aptly named Haunted Bedroom. Upon opening the box, despite warnings not to, Gwen Cooper discovered she lost the power of sp Eleven, twelve, lost the power of speech temporarily. Wonder if the same happens on this recording. Let me know when you play it back. If you play it back. Future me. Because let's be honest, nobody else is going to listen to any of this. Also, personal observation, overwhelming sense of something breathing on the back of my neck. But that's purely because I'm down here on my own in the basement. 
wandering around in this labyrinth of an archive, which of course I know is completely safe and doesn't contain anything breathing on the back of my neck. But it is a bit dark and cold and maybe isn't the place I should have chosen to open this extremely haunted music box. But that's fine. Normal day's work, nothing to worry about. That's quite enough of that. Item 038. Handheld vacuum cleaner with vampiric tendencies. Give me strength. Description. Item 039, Russian doll nest, comma, seemingly infinite. Looks like every other Russian doll I've ever seen, wooden, painted in green and red, but when you open it, it just keeps going. And going, and going. You'd think the dolls would be getting too small to hold by now let alone open. Well, think again. There's a kind of hand-eye trickery every time you pull a new doll out. They feel like they're getting smaller, but when you see them lined up on the shelf, they all look around the same size. Well, maybe each one is a teeny bit smaller than the last. If you did this for long enough, you could probably put yourself into a trance. Might be good to remember as a stress relief mechanism. Anyway, remanded to the Restricted Items Archive, mostly to find a way to escape Tosh's impromptu lecture on quantum physics and infinite divisibility. Not actually sure if this one's dangerous, but it does make my head hurt if I think about it too long. Also, now I have to put them all back together again. I don't know. Sometimes it's just nice to have an excuse to come down here, where I can hear myself think. Get the records in order. Just me and several shelves full of archive material. Nice and cosy. Actually, speaking of cosy, note to self, test the pipework for the heating in the basement. Something's playing up and it's freezing. I mean, it's never actually warm down here, but the last few days... Hmm. This pipe is warm. Very warm. But this room... It's so cold. Much colder than the rest of the hub. Weird. Well, I'm sure I can manage some amateur heating engineering in my spare time. Why not add another job to the endless to-do list? And evidently, it's not cold enough to deter the mice, who have decided to take a particularly loud residence in the walls over the last few days. Hey there. Little fellas, I can hear you. Fine, just because you're not doing it now doesn't mean I don't know you're there. Let this be an official warning to the mouse population of Cardiff Bay that I am onto you.
Item zero four zero. Book cursed? Question mark. Approximately a six in size. Lovely bit of binding. Looks a bit like. Hmm. We found a pair of leather shoes that turned out to be made of human skin once, and this looks not dissimilar. You know what? Let's not think about that. Cross-reference with item zero three seven. Music box, comma haunted. The book was discovered on a return visit to Dwyford House by Jack and Gwen under the floorboards of the same master bedroom. About three quarters of the book is full of longhand text, all in the same handwriting. It's spindly and very faint. Looks like it must have been written ages ago, centuries ago. Except it can't have been because on the most recent couple of pages you can see, well, the very last page with writing says. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Lost the power of speech temporarily, which is what I was trying to say the other day when the music box was playing, but I couldn't speak. And then further up, you're right, Gwen. I've lost my voice. That'll be tosh. Bugger me, so have I. Oh, I don't like it. That's Owen. Right, we're giving this to Yanto to put in the archive. He can deal with it, and everybody stop touching it.